0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Nobody hooks it up when it comes to football like Bet Online. It's that time of year again. Oh, beautiful, beautiful football. And there's only one place to be. When it comes to props and contests and betting, when it comes to NFL, when it comes to college football, I'm talking about bet online. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive, listen to me. welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. New customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest. It's the easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome Welcome everyone. How lovely you've arrived. It's Mikey likes you, the greatest health and fitness podcast on the planet. really decided by me. I'm the self-proclaimed king of health and fitness and wellness and all that stuff. Uh, the money that I that I make off of this podcast, the monetization doesn't back that up, but one of these days, one of these days, with your help. Um, it's a QA episode. Everyone seems to like the QA episodes. so here we go. Uh, I'm going to start off with a couple of lingering cues to get to the A's on those because they've been things that I've been consistently asked, either by Patreon clients. By the way, if you're interested in help, in assistance, the Patreon is there. If you're watching on YouTube, it should be in the link below. If you're listening on the podcast uh, audio-wise, you know it should be attached to the link in the uh, in the podcast information. Uh, there are three tiers with. The highest tier being the most assistance. Assistance. So there. Speaking of monetization. Um, These are questions that I I either get consistently uh, throughout the day with DMs or, again, from the people that I work with on Patreon. So I want to go with it and start off with those. And then I will get to the questions that I was given in the comment section of my Instagram, which is at Mike Catherwood or the show Instagram at Mikey likes you and the number one. Um, The first one being pre post workout nutrition. Okay, everyone wants to talk about that because there was a lot made about it, especially in the 90s and then the early 2000s in this kind of post workout window. And technically, it's a thing, Uh, obviously, If you are someone who's training a lot, if you're training numerous times a day, if you're training more than four times a week, you want to replenish glycogen as quickly as possible when glycogen is depleted. These are your carb stores, your sugars that are in your muscle cells. And when you train, when you train hard, when you train properly, those are depleted. So as quickly as possible, you do want to replenish those with simple sugars. It's one of the only times when fast digesting carbohydrates is probably a good thing. Your body is chemically set up to digest those better, partition them to replenish those glycogen stores as opposed to storing them for, you know, body fat or whatever because typically those those calories, even though if you're in a caloric deficit it doesn't matter, but those calories tend to lead to overeating, they also tend to spike in your blood sugar which puts you in a bad way, to, then the series continues to, you know, improper eating, I guess. But, you know, right after a workout, you can have your fruit juices, um, your fast-digesting carbs, your dextrose, things like that. You know, bodybuilders and fitness models who are really, really detailed about it because they have to be. They become experts in that field. It becomes very important. Choosing the right type of carbohydrates and fast-digesting proteins is a big deal. I think for the average person, going all the way up to, like, the really fit people, I'm including myself in this, the post-workout window – Not really a thing. If your diet, day in and day out, is meeting your protein requirements and your calories are at a good set point for your goal, regardless, you know, meaning that if you're in a deficit, if you want to lose weight, and if you're in a slight surplus, if you want to gain, gain weight, um, the post workout window is not going to matter. If you're if you're a competitive athlete, if you're someone who is you know below ten percent in body fat and you're really trying to then increase your level of conditioning further. If you're someone who's incredibly muscular and then trying to compete, you know, in professional bodybuilding or something like that, I do think that you got to get geeky about those very, very, very kind of um their their details that can make the difference. But they're not going to make much of a difference if you're 16 percent body fat and just trying to get in better shape. They're really not. Um, I'm 9% body fat the last time I met, measured it, and I used a DEXA scan, which I do think is the most accurate. And like I said, I just monitor my eating. What I do do, and what I said do do, what I do try and and achieve every day uh, is pre-workout nutrition that I think is, and science backs this up, a little bit more important than post-workout nutrition. You know, so much was made of that post-workout window, but People leave out the idea of pre-workout nutrition, which is, in my opinion, and again, I I have the science to back it up, that it it can prove to be more important. What you want to do is make sure that – Milo Sarkev always used to say this. He said, don't have empty blood, and that's, I think, a great way of putting it. So I use uh, essential amino acids, which are (sighs) – it's a fancy way of saying – Really quickly digested proteins. It's all nine of the essential amino acids that your body and muscle protein synthesis needs to do its job. I use uh, Farm Grade by MPA, and it is, in my opinion, the best on the market um, because it has the highest amount of leucine. It also has a little bit of coconut water powder in there to give you your electrolytes. Um, which is definitely an overlooked aspect of pre workout nutrition so many people screw that up you know they, they drink their water, which you should but you're you're missing out on the minerals that you need to properly contract muscle cells and so this provides that. I also use creatine German creatine is what i 've been using lately. All that matters is that it has the CreaPure pure pure label that means that it comes from this one factory in Germany that you can you can rest assured it is. Real legitimate creatine monohydrate. There's so much bunk stuff out there, a lot of it coming from, you know, these kind of budget, uh, bulk supplement company and producers. But if you have the Creapure Pure, um, label on there, it doesn't matter what brand you get, that you know, you're getting good creatine monohydrate. I take five milligrams of that, I take two scoops of the, um, of the farm grade, which ends up being 10 milligrams of, excuse me, 10 grams, I should say, of essential amino acids and it gives all my body, everything it needs to create muscle protein synthesis. I also take, I dropped it. Element. Element. It's a electrolyte drink mix to give me the extra electrolytes, the potassium, the magnesium, things like that. Um, First off, Rob Wolf, this is a great product. I love it. Uh, Don't misspell stuff i i had this conversation with the guys in lincoln park 500 times don't misspell stuff on purpose okay the l m n t you could just call your company element i'm sure there's no copyright on element i think visually yeah you got it it looks cool but i know because i solicit people to write me messages no one can spell in this country and the last thing we need is large corporations and really popular bands and things Misspelling shit on purpose to only muddy the waters further. Electrolytes, essential amino acids, and creatine. Essential amino acids are expensive as shit, so I'm warning you on that. Some whey protein isolate, which is much cheaper, much more affordable, and will probably do pretty much the same thing. Uh, One scoop of that, 20 grams of protein from whey protein isolate, really quickly digested protein, mixed with, you know, some cold brew coffee, and some electrolytes, you know, even if, you, if you're not going to spring for um, the electrolyte mix, go with – and I've done this many a times uh, when I'm traveling. I, think I take some cold brew coffee. I mix vanilla protein in there with some uh, sea salt, and I'm ready to rock. It tastes great. I like it. It's like a salty little latte or something. And, uh, and you've got everything you need. Make sure you're hydrated throughout the day. Then if you provide that for your body prior to training, you're good. And then you can just go eat a normal person meal later in the day and make sure that you're adhering to your caloric set point and your macros. You don't have to worry about getting fucking dextrose, uh, maltodextrin mix with your uh, post-workout fucking shake. Stan, Stan Efferding said it. He said it best. And I agree. Uh, shakes are for fakes. Eat steaks. <laughs> Very meat heady. Um the next thing I wanted to talk about was creatine itself and I already talked about it a little bit but so many people email me about uh, and DM me about creatine that I thought I should just take a time take time to reiterate exactly what I what I like to provide you as far as creatine goes. There's so many products out there and some some of them look fancy and make big promises. I don't know if they work any better or not. One thing I do know creatine monohydrate the same old shit that you got in the 90s from muscle tech creatine 6000 is proven to work works great and is cheap as fuck so get creatine it does so much more than just provide assistance in building muscle creatine it really is a great backable meaningful supplement it provides cognitive benefit it prevents and protects I'm struggling today. It protects and provides protection against aging deterioration in the brain. There are studies that are showing this. Um, it can help with dieting also because there is muscle mass retention that is provided by the assistance with the ATP and all that stuff. You know, So you can train harder. You can get a little bit more even if you're in a caloric deficit. So don't think that creatine is something that is just for these big meatheads that want to bulk up. Uh, it's a great drug. A lot of people are worried about water retention when it comes to creatine. A friend of mine, Mike Safi, one of the greatest natural bodybuilders this planet has ever seen, no one's more shredded, he takes creatine right up to the contest because, yes, there is water retention, but it's inside the muscle cells. It's not subcutaneous. It's not going to blur you. It's not going to bloat you. It keeps water molecules within the muscle cell. This is incredibly important for those of you who like to go low carb. If you're a ketogenic athlete, if you're someone who likes to uh, eat a diet low in carbohydrates because it helps you adhere to a diet better, you need moisture. You need moisture more than other people inside your muscle cells. (coughs) Why? Because the last part of carbohydrates is hydrate. What does that mean? Those gardeners are not in my yard. We'll deal with it. What does that mean? Carbohydrates, they are the water molecules for your muscle, okay? And when you're low carb, it does deteriorate from your ability to pull muscle um, water into the muscle cells. And that is a bad thing when you're training. So if you have uh, good enough hydration, you take your creatine, CreaPure, German creatine. There's many brands that make it. It's, It's affordable and it's worth it. Korea pure, look for that sign there, trademark Korea Pure on the product, and that's all you need. doesn't matter what brand. You take that, you take your electrolytes, and if you're not going to spring for electrolytes, take some sea salt with your pre-workout uh, mix there, and you will have all you need, even if you're in a lowered co- carbohydrate state. So there is a lot of benefits, myriad benefits to creatine, above and beyond just its ability to put on muscle or help you assist assist you in putting on muscle. All right, let's get to it. 11MJ29JV. Hey, Mike, how do you feel about P90X and CrossFit? And also, when is Rudy making an appearance on your show? I already answered this guy in text because Rudy took over my show to begin last episode. So just go to the last episode. You'll see Rudy. Plenty. He had a lot to say. He probably stayed a lot longer than I would have liked him to. As far as P90X and CrossFit. (coughs) Excuse me as far as p90x and crossfit goes i don't like it but if it's the only way you're going to work out it's better than nothing the best exercise you can do is the one that you will do and the one that you will do consistently so if you love the group environment of doing crossfit fine i do not like these types of workouts for a couple reasons one you're tremendously injury prone A lot of the programming in CrossFit, I don't know much about P90X, but a lot of the programming in CrossFit is based around doing things like Olympic lifts and deadlifts for incredibly high reps in a circuit. These are not exercises designed to be done for massive amounts of reps, especially in a fatigued state. If you're coming off doing like a rowing uh, interval or or some burpees and then to go into the power clean is an incredibly dangerous and ill-advised thing to do. Um, CrossFit was designed to give you a really good workout in the metric of measuring that by how much you sweat and how much you feel like you got your ass kicked. A lot of people only value that when it comes to a workout, but that is so far at the end of what you should be looking at when it comes to training. Training is something that is focused, something that should elicit a very specific response if your response that you're looking for is strength, doing 20 repetitions of a deadlift and then some pull-ups at a suboptimal weight is not only not effective, it could it could get in the way. It could be counterintuitive to programming for strength. If your if your goal main goal is body fat loss, Just burning a bunch of calories ad nauseum is not going to get you there. It's certainly not going to get you there in the long run because eventually, if you don't eat like a fucking pig, you're going to end up burnt out to the point that you can't train at all effectively. When it comes to fat loss, really sustainable success comes from working with your diet and your training in synergy, And you have to understand the calories that you put in, they only allow you a certain amount of energy out. And if your energy out is so extreme through the roof, you have to make up for that with caloric intake. And that doesn't lead to good fat loss. That's the same reason why competitive endurance sports are not a great route to go when it comes to real fat loss. The fat loss that people are looking for. Um... So again, these, these these workouts that combine conditioning and strength training, it really just affords you the ability to, medi- to be mediocre at both. And it's not going to elicit any any of the effects that you want because effects from exercise and training are very specific and you have to kind of focus in on what it is you want and go for that. I've talked about it a million times that you can't sit on Two horses with one ass. And what I mean by that is the human body is very specific in how it reacts to stimulus. You have to then provide very specific stimulus to elicit those very specific responses. Um, I will again talk about how Lance Armstrong, the greatest endurance athlete on the planet ever, maybe, you know, the amount of wattage he was able to create for such a sustained period of time on a bicycle is inhuman. He retires, he starts j- running. He's fucking, he fucking stunk. He it was terrible. And you're like, well, how can that be? Because the the body responds in a very specific way to very specific um, types of stimulus. So if you're looking to be uh, beach body ready, you have to really harness in on what you need to do to your body to elicit that response if you're looking to be a competitive power lifter you have to harness in on what that is if you want to be an mma fighter or a jiu-jitsu athlete that is competitive you have to focus in on what that is and what type of stimulus you need to get the response you're looking for crossfit by its nature right there in the tagline they're not specialists in anything so just showing up and not knowing what the wad is going to be and doing a 5K one day and then doing a circuit the other day, it's going to help you build a work capacity for sure, but it's not in the long run going to help you in any way elicit the response that you're looking for because they, by their nature, put it right there. They're not going to focus in on anything. Um, so that's how I feel about that. John3H3, are you natty? Yes, I am. Um, I'm 42 years old, and I'm natty, but I am exploring the TRT route. Um, I'm currently healthy enough to continue being me without it, but it's going to come. And even then, I don't necessarily know if that's not natty. You know, there's a big difference between TRT and steroid use. And I think that it's just one of the many reasons why people misunderstand performance-enhancing drugs, okay? Okay. Having a doctor prescribe someone who's legitimately low in certain hormones, having a doctor then prescribe those hormones to get you into a healthy range is a far cry from someone just taking additional exogenous hormones to fucking get some type of weird extreme response like a pro bodybuilder. You know, a 25-year-old guy who's in the NFL taking steroids or anabolic steroids and androgenic kind of compounds in order to improve his performance is a big difference than a 45-year-old guy who is just low in T and wants to feel better. It's a big difference. Also, someone has a traumatic brain injury. A lot of you veterans out there, God bless you. I mean, I can't express the amount of gratitude, but a lot of veterans have had intense brain injuries, both psychological and physical, you know, from IEDs or, you know, concussive uh, explosions, things like that. Um, that will fuck your hormones and your endocrine system up. For the sake of your health, overall, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical, a doctor may prescribe a a small dose of TRT, uh, testosterone replacement therapy, or just hormone replacement therapy. Uh, therapy, if it's going to be um uh, an anabolic or or a growth hormone, something like that, to help get you back to normal. Getting you back to healthy is what. Hormone replacement therapy is about. Okay. That is a far cry from just willy-nilly taking something to get some type of extreme response. Um, but I, as of now, I am natty. I, I, I fuck around with peptides, but I don't use anything um, anabolic or androgenic. Um, so uh, I hope that answered your question. Let's go to Eric Paul, 1986. Help a brother out. I can't seem to get rid of my chicken legs. What type of program would you recommend to grow the legs? Someone who has like really broad shoulders and you know came out of the womb like a a husky fella. We all know those people. Like the you just the guys came out of the womb powerful. They're not gonna have skinny arms. It doesn't it just doesn't happen. You're not genetically gonna have like skinny arms. There are very like powerfully built people that just came out of the womb like with teeny little chicken legs. And legs. More so, I mean, it definitely happens where you will see people who you're like, that guy's a power lifter, and he benches fucking huge, you know, five plates, and he's, you're like, well, he's not even very husky. So it happens. There's a lot of connective tissue components and genetics that can apply to strength. But legs more so than anything. There's people with fucking chicken legs, like pencils, that are strong as fuck. John Jones is the best example. He may have the skinniest legs in MMA. But he is so explosive, has tremendous fast twitch in his legs. He runs so fast. I've seen him on the, 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 the like, self-moving um, treadmill going, like, like 19 miles an hour or something fucking preposterous. Um, but and he also has incredible strength. He, for a while, was focusing on powerlifting, especially at the beginning of the time when he was trying to make that jump into uh, heavyweight. And he squats five plates like and with good depth and everything. And you're like, man, so legs are weird. You got to train them and you got to train them frequently and you got to train them hard. They have a very weird mixture of fast twitch and slow twitch muscle cells uh, and muscle fibers, I should say, in glaring comparison to your upper body. It is also where you carry most of your musculature. It is also the number one thing guys love to fucking not train. couple reasons there. Women will train legs all day. Women will focus on legs and booty, okay? Because women are women. And that's kind of a trophy muscle for, uh, you know, that, that lower body is what most women like to focus on. I get it. <sighs> Guys, they look in the mirror with their shirt off and you, you they fucking think like, well, my legs doesn't matter. I could have polio. They could just be dangling there like little, but you just want biceps and chest. Wrong. Here's the biggest tip I can give you, and when it comes to training, I mean this. Always focus over over 50% more, okay? So try to put double the effort into the muscles that you can't see in the mirror. That means your upper back, your lower back, your glutes, your hamstrings, and your calves, Outside of your quads, the front part of your thigh, I just named all, almost all statistically of the muscle that you have in your body. That is over 80% of the muscle. 60-something percent of your muscle is carried from your belly button down. It is crucial. It is imperative, even if you have nice legs, that you focus on lower body training. And then after that, it has to be your posterior, your back. Back and legs Make a physique. Do not avoid leg training. Do not think that you can just go in and do your bench and curls like you're in jail. And that you're going to have some magical physique. It literally, truly, as a natural. Because when I was using a bunch of fucking DECA and and tests and doing crazy shit as a bodybuilder. I trained hard and I was going to grow. Okay? I was fucking lean, the whole thing. But as a natural 42-year-old guy. It wasn't until about five six years ago that I got sustained progress and and happiness with my physique. What happened is I just broke down and 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 really threw caution to the wind. And I will train chest, I will train biceps and shoulders and things like that. But the overwhelming focus of my training is my posterior, my posterior chain, and my legs. You get a much better metabolic benefit from that too. I can stay lean year round without really worrying too much about cardio and aerobic kind of capacity because I do high rep squatting. I deadlift heavy. um, I do Romanian deadlifts and lunges. And, you know, I'm just these massive amounts of muscle, these really big muscles, a lot of them that you walk on all day. So they're conditioned to a much greater extent than your upper body muscles. I just hammer them. I, for a while, was doing legs three days a week. Now, it's leg day every motherfucking day. Does that mean I go ham on legs every day? No. Twice a week, I, I have a leg day where I crush. Um, but every day, I'm doing some form of lower body work, whether it be um, some knees over toes type stuff, the knees over toes split squat, um, a lot of sissy squats, um, Romanian deadlifts, be it with a with a kettlebell or with a barbell. One-legged Romanian deadlifts with a dumbbell or a kettlebell. Lunges every day. I do walking lunges every day, sometimes without weight, just to kind of keep my legs conditioned. I do bodyweight squats. I train my legs in some form to an appreciable level every single day. I'm leaner. I'm healthier than I ever was before. Even natural. Legs also... Here, here's a problem I have with talking to people about leg training because I had chicken legs, man. I had like really disproportion- – I wouldn't say chicken legs, but they were disproportionately small in comparison to my upper body. Um, legs have to be trained higher rep than your upper body. But they still have to be trained heavy. Whenever I talk about you have to build strength and you got to use heavy weights, I always run into the problem of people misinterpreting that to use too heavy a weight and then they forego. Uh, they forego form and they hurt themselves. You know, I was like, you got, you know, deadlifts shouldn't be done for more than five reps. You got to work heavy and you got to get good at heavy squatting, heavy deadlifting and everything. So then they put on way too much weight and they hurt themselves. Then I say, well, also, if you want to grow your legs, you got to train in higher reps. Then they go way too late and they train, you know, high reps. And they're like, yeah, I hope I'm doing my, I did my 20 rep squat routine last uh, six weeks. And I was, I went from using 85 pounds to 110 pounds. He's not going to cut it. Leg, another main reason why guys particularly avoid legs is because it's way fucking hard. Training legs properly sucks. If you don't rue the leg day, you're not training well. Going in and doing some bench press, overhead press, uh, you know, some bicep curls and shit, that's kind of fun. I mean, that doesn't, doing high rep squats, high rep hack squats, leg press, things like that, It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible, but it elicits the greatest benefit. So, my advice to you train legs more frequently, three days a week minimum. If that means you're doing a full body split where uh, you train legs all three of those days, so be it. If that means you do legs three days a week, upper body two days a week, so be it. Both good options. Train legs more frequently. Um, and train them in higher reps, but don't forego training heavy. If you are not competent in squatting, don't include the squat in your workout. Do I think it is the most beneficial exercise? Yes. I don't think it's the most beneficial exercise when you're trying to do high rep squats and when you can't squat at all. And there's no shame in that. Having the self-awareness and the self-control to say, you know what, I I haven't mastered this very complex exercise. Maybe I shouldn't go ham on it yet. No problem. Focus. High reps for as much as you can tolerate in weight and resistance. On the leg press, on walking lunges, on uh, hack squats. Hack squats are amazing, man. If if your gym uh, has a hack squat machine, they're fantastic. Um, Leg extensions, leg curls, Romanian deadlifts. Throw in hip thrusts and uh, included with those walking lunges to get the glutes involved. You have all it takes. You just got to do the work. That's it. You got to do the work. When it comes to legs, it really growing, and you can do it. Stan Everding, world's strongest body, professional bodybuilder, has insane legs. They were his weakest body part at 140 pounds when he was in college. He was a twerp with teeny little legs. All he had to do was do the work. High repetitions with high weight and and you get there. Periodize your training. You can't do this all year. Focus on strength for three months. Lower reps, higher weight. Be meticulous about your form. When you build strength, then you can transition into pure hypertrophy. 15 to 20 reps. Sometimes even higher for legs. You can go up to 30 reps and still... Even though it is going to tap into endurance, it's going to have benefit when it comes to hypertrophy with legs. High reps, as much weight as you could tolerate, really push past the burn. If you're not good at squatting, avoid it. Go Wait till you get back to that strength block and just be conservative with your weight and really focus on form. And just hammer it, hammer it, hammer it, hammer it. That is the only way to really see meaningful difference in your leg training. Anything specific you do to stay healthy and fight against COVID from Joe Joey 54 Um I, I guess but you know what I don't do anything specific to protect myself against COVID but my lifestyle day in and day out both pre and now during COVID and the lockdowns and the and the pandemic I think have helped me tremendously Um not being overweight having low body fat levels, um, eating nutritious foods at a small caloric deficit and exercising in a very disciplined way. Uh, I I didn't do that for COVID, but it sure as hell worked out. I'm not a scientist. I have no scientific background. So I can't say that with immense positivity. But um, if we look at the people who suffer greatly from the, – the, the they suffer the most when they contract COVID and the people who have seemed to bounce back the quickest. Um, the one kind of common through line is usually body fat levels and health, overall health. So the ideas of comorbidity, they come into play. Um, I, I, my blood sugar is very healthy. I get my blood tested a lot, so I can see these things. My blood pressure, my blood blood sugar, these things are all regulated. My body fat is low, and I and my heart rate, my resting heart rate is low. You know, I I carry uh, above average levels of muscle mass that has shown to help. You know, in longevity and comorbidity. These are all the things I have done, not knowing that COVID was coming, and I definitely think it has helped a lot. I love you, Lucy, because you make it easy for me to get the amazing drug that is nicotine without all the yucky stuff that usually comes with it. Nicotine is an amazing, amazing substance, okay? But the problem with nicotine is that it has a terrible stigma. Why? Because usually you get it from chewing or smoking or vaping and other things that are not necessarily good for you. But nicotine in and of itself has amazing cognitive benefits. It has amazing appetite suppression benefits. It has amazing metabolic benefits. What do I do? I turn to Lucy, delicious tobacco-free nicotine pouches and lozenges that give you 4, 8, or 12 milligrams of this exceptional drug that is nicotine. There's no need to be exposing yourself. To things like smoking and vaping and chewing tobacco and all that nasty stuff. Do yourself a favor. Get involved with Lucy. Tremendous product made by very smart people and they know what they're doing. Mikey likes you listeners. Go to lucy.co and use the promo code Mikey. Get 20% off your order of Lucy Slim Pouches or any Lucy products. That's lucy.co. Use promo code Mikey at checkout. I have to let you know that this product contains non-tobacco nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey. I've been on TRT. This is from Ranger Ramon. I've been on TRT for a little over a year now. Made huge difference. Six pounds lean muscle gain. Uh, No. Um, Not as sore after workouts. But the only bad side effect is I am a little more on edge, like I want to fight. Any recommendation, thoughts... And yes, I'm going to talk to my doc about this soon. Okay, first off, as soon as you put testosterone, exogenous testosterone in your body, you're going to gain weight. It is most likely not six pounds of lean muscle. That's a considerable amount. A lot of these like get ripped quick programs where it's like put on, 15 pounds of muscle in one month. They trick you into believing that that is real. Six pounds of lean muscle, meaning no body fat gain, is immense. And I question, how did you measure that? If it's six pounds of lean muscle, you then I'm assuming... By the way, I'm not assuming – I'm assuming you didn't do this, but let me point to – to know that you put on six pounds of lean muscle, you tracked your body fat. You got a detailed analysis of your body fat and water weight and all that prior to taking the TRT. Then after a year of it, you had it done again and you were six pounds heavier with no increase in body fat and water weight. Because if that's the case, then yes, you did. But that probably not – what you probably put on a half a pound of muscle and five and a half pounds of water um because and also maybe some body fat because testosterone makes you hungry it also makes you on edge because it's an androgenic and that's why guys by and large are a little bit more aggressive than women it's a thing i (laughs) steroids is just like weed in this regard Everybody knows the people who are like, I don't smoke weed because it makes you lazy and it deflates you of your your ambition and stuff. It's like, mm, weed doesn't do that. Most shithead potheads that do nothing with their life, they were like that way before they started smoking weed. And really ambitious type A people can smoke all the weed they want and they still go They still go get it. There's also, there's countless fucking people like Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo and these Harvard graduates that smoke weed all the live long day and they do more in one day than most people do in their lifetime. I think that steroids, just like weed, are just an enhancement of what you have going on prior to them coming into your body. Roid Rage never happened to me was I a little bit more edgy was I a little bit more quick to be like oh fuck dude why didn't you bring me that you know when I was in radio it's like I thought that tape was gonna be edited for this morning oh fuck dude (sighs) all right yeah yeah which is not me normally in life I'm I'm like pretty laid back probably too laid back um, but I, 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 I'm like punching people and shit and throwing, there's a Ben Affleck after school special about steroids. And he chucks his mom down a staircase after like two months of testosterone use. No, 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 no. If you're a grown ass man, Ranger Ramon, which I, I assume, I'm assuming with Ranger in your name, you're an army ranger, which God bless you. Thank you so much for your service. And army rangers are fucking badasses, so. Good for you. I'm assuming. Maybe you're a park ranger. I don't know. But uh if you're if you're a grown man looking to fight, there's an issue with you that is not the steroids. You need to talk to a psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever you prefer, and you need to talk to your physician, as you pointed out, that you will do. Um, because there's no fucking amount of steroids that's gonna make a reasonable grown adult male go out searching to fight physically. Another thing you can do, learn how to fight. Train. I'm no I'm not George Saint Pierre, but I've trained enough in jujitsu, muay thai boxing and stuff. I've been in gyms enough. I've trained enough to know that I don't want to fight. I don't I don't want to seek that out. It's amazing to have the self-confidence now that if some shit was to pop off that was unavoidable, maybe I could get myself out of it. If some guy, you know, I living in Venice, I definitely am walking with my daughter every once in a while and like some very mentally ill person is approaching and making threats and stuff. It feels a lot better to know like okay, I'm going to get my distance, I'm going to measure this and I'm going to leg kick him if he comes in, I'm going to I'm going to get his back. I'm going to choke this guy. But I don't look for fights. That's an, that's a psychiatric issue. There's an insecurity there, okay. And and uh, admittedly, I'm a big pussy. I'm not like, you know, I, I I'm not like a tough guy. I'm not like a great fighter or anything. But what I am saying is that most great, really tough fuckers I know, they're not searching out people to fuck up and at the point in their life that they were they recognized their wrongs and they changed that because hurting another person or potentially putting yourself in the position to be hurt is not something you want to seek out and if it is there's some there's a there's a psychiatric issue far above and beyond hormones best way to lose belly fat <sighs> The best way to lose belly fat is the best way to lose any body fat. Caloric deficit, high protein, weight train, long, do that for a long time. Here's the reality of it. And I've talked about this also with a lot of people, so I'm glad you asked this question. There is an assumption that you are doing something wrong or that you are flawed because you will lose that 10 pounds. Okay and your face looks much thinner, you're starting to see some guns and a little separation in your upper chest, but you still have a pooch and a spare tire. Women, a lot of times, it's, it's like the fupa and the, and the, lower, the upper legs and, and booty. That's biology. Males carry spare tire much longer than they carry body fat in other parts of your, your body. It's biology. There are organs there that 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 evolution wanted you to keep warm, and it takes much longer and a lot more effort to lose that body fat to get to, to expose that six pack and to get rid of the spare tire than it does to lose body fat in your calves, your arms, and your face. There are pot, body parts that are the body fat's going to go first. It doesn't work as this is like this combined effort where everything comprehensively just comes off biologically women with reproductive organs are going to have a harder time from like belly button down to, you know, above their couple inches above their knee guys from their nipples to their dick. That's where evolution and God and all that wants you to hold on to body fat for survival. So the best way to lose body fat is to do whatever you're doing to lose body fat for a longer period of time. And I'm, I'm sure you wanted some specific tip or trick. That's the reality of it. And that's why so that's why the six-pack, I think, is so coveted because you you can really start to see some, like, separation in your shoulders and, like, guys will flex their arms and women. Oh, man, wow, you've really been working out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you take your shirt off and you're like, yeah, but look. Yeah. That's because it takes – Concentrated, focused effort for a long time. The more overweight you are, the more time it's going to take. Um, it, that's just that's just it. I mean, look at the Rock. The Rock is jacked as fuck. He doesn't have abs really. He does, you know, and that's because he's not maintaining a low enough body fat percentage to expose that area. Um, he he has a little bit of like the side kind of foops. Um, I, you know, I'm at 9%, like, like I said, maybe I've gone up a little, but I, for math's sake, for safety's sake, I'm at 10% body fat, which is way low compared to earth. And I have a sizable amount of muscle mass. I still have a little like side gut, you know, you got to be like, like Zac Efron in, in Baywatch or, uh, Jeff Cavalier from Athlean-X. that you got to get that low to get rid of that level of fat. So if you want to have exposed nice abs 12 to 10 percent, you want to get really shredded. That's the last thing to go. I have fucking veins popping out of my arms and stuff and like striations in my chest when I flex and stuff and I still have some fat there. It's it's a, you know it's visceral fat and subcutaneous fat and all this stuff, and it's just that area. If you can feel, like, thick skin in your body in those areas, it's going to be harder to lose fat than it is in, like, where areas are really thin skin, like your calves or your, your face and, and, you know, parts of your neck. So just keep at it, man. Keep at it. You guys and gals, everyone wants to get rid of that spare tire. Everyone wants to get rid of the pooch. I get it. There is no secret. You got to do the work and it's not going to come quickly. And that's why I think you a lot of people fail in their quest to get that dream body because they assume they're doing something wrong or there's something genetically flawed with them. If they don't get that extreme level of leanness within a comfortable amount of time and that's just not reality, especially if you're considerably overweight, you will make progress. You will, you should love and embrace that progress. But don't second guess yourself or your dieting or your training if you're not getting to extreme levels of progress. Because that that area, like I said, you know, belly button to upper thigh for women, and then nipples to kind of dick for guys, that, that's that's the last thing to go. And that's nature. And there's nothing wrong with you. You just gotta stick with it. Consistency over the long run. All right, I thought that was a pretty darn good sesh of question and answer. I love all of you. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported me in any way. Thank you over the moon to um, all my patrons. Again, my Patreon link should be below if you're looking for extra assistance. Also, my YouTube page, if you're listening to this on the uh, audio-only podcast— Go to my YouTube page, Mike Catherwood on YouTube. Subscribe, like, tell your friends, everyone. Let's build it up, please. I would love that to be another uh, revenue stream. Also, I'm doing a lot of exercise tutorials and breakdowns and giving you nuggets of information there that I don't provide in the podcast. So check out my YouTube. Again, Mike Catherwood on YouTube. There's stuff there that I think you'll like. I'm going to start a nutrition thing where I start talking about cooking and meal prepping tips. So... Go over there and do the likes and do the subscribes and do the little notification thingy, the bell thingy. All right, assalamu alaykum. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early